God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. This is Will Rice, and First Light is a brief Bible challenge encouraging you to read God's Word, to think about God's Word, and to live it in real life. So I travel frequently, and most of that is by car. I drive a lot. And my lovely wife is my navigator. So this happened last week. She said, uh, turn right here. Now, what does that mean? Turn right here. What, what does that mean? You know, there have been times where she said, turn right here, and I've made a right-hand turn, and then she says, no, no, you were, you were supposed to turn left. And I'll say, well, you said turn right. She said, no. I said, turn left. And then I said, turn right here. So you've got the same word, but two different conversations. Um, and that's because I'm, I'm hearing what I'm expecting, and of course, she's just communicating what, what is the fact. Turn right at this race spot. Right here can mean... Uh, right as opposed to left, or it can be right now as opposed to later on. You know, we all have experienced times when you have two subjects, but one conversation, or the same word and two different subjects, where you're not connecting with what you say. That often happened with the Lord Jesus in His earthly ministry, because after all, He was God the Son. And so He had things on His mind that the disciples, for instance, did not. You know, sometimes we say, well, he's so heavenly minded that he's no earthly good. Now, I understand that if by that you mean that someone is merely pious and has no common sense, uh, I have learned that sometimes we think people are spiritual just because of their temperament. If they have a, you know, a subdued or a very pensive uh, personality, we attribute that to, oh, they're a spiritual person. And I, I know people I've almost felt guilty being around because they seem so spiritual. And I've learned no, they, they may be spiritual, they may not. They're, they just have a personality. Now, I'm not saying that your person should not be affected by God's person, God's spirit, but there's a difference between having a, a pious personality and being connected to God, being spiritual, being aware of that, that part of you. You know, someone has said, if you aim at earth, you lose heaven. If you aim at heaven, you get heaven and earth thrown in. So the truth is, if someone is really genuinely spiritual, they're going to have more common sense than they would otherwise have. That's sanctified common sense. That's wisdom that God gives. And they're going to be fit for life. So the question this morning is, how spiritually minded are you? The, the question is not, are you spiritually minded or not? The question is, how, to what extent, how spiritually minded are you? You're a complete person. Usually, however, we just think about right here, right now, the physical. We think about lunch. We don't think about eternal life. We think about our worries. We don't think about God's, God's plans. And so that's the, the kind of gap that uh, existed between Jesus' words and Jesus' hearers. In John 6, 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus said to this crowd following him, you're interested in food, you're interested in lunch, you're interested in here, you're interested in now, and to the extent that you think I meet that immediate need, you're interested in me. Now look, how spiritually minded are you? Let me give you two metrics, okay? First of all, I think we ought to ask ourselves the question, how eternal is my perspective? Am I just thinking about lunch, or am I thinking about things beyond lunch? Verse 27, Jesus said, Labor not for the meat which perisheth. It doesn't last. I eat now and I'm going to have to eat again at the next meal. But 
Labor for that meat which endureth under everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for, for him hath God the Father sealed. So there's a contrast between that which perishes, it, it doesn't last, and that which it endures unto everlasting life. And we're to labor for that. The Bible says labor not to be rich. It's not that money itself is wrong or that riches itself is necessarily wrong. It is that it is short-sighted. It's, it's not the point. So how, how eternal is your perspective? How eternal is your labor? I don't mean that everything you do must be a, a pious thing. I mean, if you're turning screws or selling widgets or working in the office or whatever you do, you're a butcher, you're a baker, you're a candlestick maker, whatever your, your labor, do you see the significance of what you're doing on eternity? Do you see uh, how, how you live today may affect other people for eternity? Your labor. What about your hope? Is that eternal? If the sum and substance of your hope is merely winning an election. Now, elections are important. And if you're an American, you have an obligation and the privilege of voting and being involved. But quite seriously, is that the sum and substance of your hope right here, right now? What about your worry? You know, Jesus said, um, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to put on. There's more to life than food and clothing. There's more to life than life. And yet no one who is merely thinking about food and clothing can worry about things that are more significant. And we shouldn't even worry about those. We can rest those with the Lord. But how eternal is your perspective, your labor, your hope, your worry? Second question to ask ourselves in deciding if we're spiritually minded is, who is driving your life? In um, uh, verse 28, they said to him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. So God's work is actually believing in him, work, believing in his work. Um, Jesus in his earthly ministry was never impressed with what people did. How are you going to impress the God who spoke the worlds into existence? But Jesus very often marveled at their faith or lack of it. Uh, he marveled at their unbelief. He marveled at her faith. Um, he, he was impressed by their faith, not by their action. God is the one that gives force to our action when we trust him for it. So who's the driver? Who's the driver of your work? This is the work of God that ye believe. So who's driving your work today? Is it simply what you want and taking care of the next meal? Or, or do you allow God to figure in, in any way, into your life and into your actions, into the things that you're doing? What about will? Who's the driver of your will? That is what you wish to accomplish, what you will to do. In verse 38, Jesus says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And then in the next two verses, he references the, the Father's will, the will of him that sent me. Look, there's more to life than what you're worried about today. There's more to life than what you want today. In five years, you probably won't want the same things. And it very well may be that you won't worry about the thing you're worried about now in a week's time. Even if you are, maybe it's some major, major question in your life. You can give that to God and realize that our lives are significant now because of the impact they have on the truly important, the spirit, the, the eternal. So how spiritually minded are you? Are you, are you hearing Jesus' words and understanding Jesus' meaning, or are you misunderstanding everything that he says 
because we're using the same words, but you have a different priority. You have in mind lunch today, and he has in mind eternity and, and life eternal. How eternal is your perspective, your labor, your hope, your worry, and who is driving your life, your work, your will? Is it you, or is it the God that loves you and made you?